We just pray that God will continue to find us worthy of his blessing. Now, let me tell you something about Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, we all understand. It's Jesus' triumphal entry. How many have ever heard of Palm Sunday? Jesus came in. It began what we are in now called Holy Week. Uh, as I studied and tried to figure what best message to prepare for the celebration of the resurrection, the Lord began to deal with me as I studied the, 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 the actual statistics in England right now, the old Anglican church, 40% of the ministers in that church do not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. As shocking as that is, many ministers in pulpits in America do not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. They do not believe in the virgin birth. And when they pick up a Bible, it is absolutely hypocritical. I said some things about the resurrection. I'm going to say them again this morning. It is a cardinal truth in Scripture. That means it's one of those truths. Without it, it is not the gospel. It is so crucial to the faith. Paul said, if Christ be not raised, then our faith is all in vain. Everything Jesus did at the cross was validated and ratified by the raising of Jesus from the dead. And if He was not raised, that means the sin debt was not paid. So Paul went on to say, we're yet in our sins. Do you understand without the resurrection it cancels the cross? And Satan wants to dismantle the Christian faith. And one thing he's got to remove from it to help it to become just another man-made world religion without power to save is to take away the resurrection. And there are clergy buying in to that lie that do not believe the biblical or the historical or the personal evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a cardinal thing. He said if Christ is not raised, then our preaching is in vain. And we are found to be liars. And your faith is in vain. And the dead are not raised. We can't go to 1 Thessalonians 4 and, and grab a hold of that hope. Amen. How many has ever lost a loved one? My mama's I led her to the Lord. Thank God she's with the Lord. My dad is with the Lord. My grandmother is with the Lord. My grandpa came to Christ before he died. He's with the Lord. My uncle, I led him to Christ. Uncle Junior, he's with the Lord. My aunt and my uncles are with the Lord, except for one aunt that's left out of all of the venerable family. If it wasn't for my church family, uh, most of my family has already went home to be with the Lord. My oldest son went home October the 1st of this year to be with the Lord. So this, this is the glorious hope that we have. Amen. First Thessalonians said, I wouldn't have you sorrow when you lose a loved one, literally, as others who have no hope. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and, and the 
dead shall be raised first, and we which are living and remain shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. For you that have lost a loved one, thank God for what we are about to celebrate Sunday morning. And for the Christians that use this long weekend and this holiday to the world to head for Disney World or the beach, shame. What a terrible travesty to claim a faith when the holiest day. By the way, the birth of Jesus was only important because of what he did on the cross when he became a man. And the death of Jesus on the cross was validated by the resurrection. You take away the resurrection, you take away the faith, you take away the hope, you take away the fact, amen, that death has been conquered. Amen. Jesus rising from the dead is the first fruits of them that slept, of everyone that died in Christ. He became the first man. See, it's got to be a bodily resurrection. It can't be any other kind of resurrection. Remember when, 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 when Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas. Listen, everybody's had doubts that we had to overcome. It's far different than unbelief. We've had questions in our heart. But we go to the Word, we look to the Holy Spirit, and God helps to satisfy those questions and solidify our faith in Jesus Christ today. Amen. There's things I can, I can, peripheral things in the gospel, but cardinal truths is different. If he isn't virgin born, he's not the Messiah that was prophesied. Amen. If he isn't resurrected, he wasn't the Messiah. And his blood was not pure enough to pay the sin debt. But if he rose from the dead, and he did, hallelujah, then he validated everything he did on the cross. So when I begin to read of the percentages of, of clergy who do not believe in the resurrection, and I, I read of the Christians that call themselves rather Christians, you can't be a Christian biblically defined and not believe in the resurrection. There's a movement right now that is against all supernatural manifestations. It's only occurring in the church world. It's not occurring where people worship demons and devils and the occult. They believe in the supernatural. In order for Jesus to be virgin born, it required the supernatural. He can't be God if he can't pull that off. I don't have a problem with Genesis. Stephen Hawking, was it the great scientist and, and uh, physicist? just passed away and some people said when the Pope blessed him he became a Christian he never became a Christian and through his own words he said he doesn't he said we don't need a God or a Bible to explain the universe we can scientifically figure out how it all happened by the way I do buy into the Big Bang Theory God said let there be a firmament and bang there was a thermometer Thermament, a firmament. God said, let there be, and bang, there was. I have no doubt that they figured out there was a big explosion when nothing became something. But there was intelligent design behind it all. 
Hallelujah. And it's a God who is uh, all-knowing. Praise God. Let there be a firmament and bang! There was a firmament. But when you begin to disallow for the supernatural, we got a movement right now against all miracles and all healings and all of that. When the last apostle died, that passed away. But it's amazing, these same people are praying to God to help them build that add-on to their church. And if God answers the prayer, it will require a miracle. Because a miracle simply defined as a supernatural intervention in the normal course of human affairs. But when you deny the supernatural, you can't allow for that intervention. And that means all teaching on prayer is, is, is bogus. None of it can give you any hope because God is not doing that anymore. Honey, the Lord God of Israel changes not. It's not God who has changed. It is the church world that has changed. It is something that is occurring as Satan is trying to dismantle that that makes the Christian faith the Christian faith. Every leader of every world religion is dead. except for Christianity. What sets us apart as one philosopher when the early church was just forming? He looked at it and, and he said, he said, this is a wonderful religion. This is a moral code that we should all aspire to embrace. But that is not what is causing it to impact the world. He was a historian and philosopher. He said, but that's not what is causing it to impact the world? What is causing it to impact the world is the hope of life eternal. If Jesus is risen like they teach, like they preach, like they live in that certain hope, then there's hope for everyone that faces the certainty of death. Death is not going to cancel every relationship, every love bond, everything that we hold dear. Death can't win if this faith is true. Paul knew it. Amen. He looked death in the eye and he challenged death. He said, death has been swallowed up in victory. And he's talking about the resurrection. Oh, death... Where is your sting and grave? Where is your victory? He talked about the law and sin bringing spiritual death and allowing physical death to enter this world. But he said there's a victory. There's a victory in Jesus. Oh, death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. Is that worth a ho-hum or a hallelujah? I'm going to say it to you again. How many of you have figured out that you're mortal? That it's appointed unto man once to die? Amen? How many are glad death has been conquered? Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus where the, the hurt and the pain of death was so glaringly evident because they were heartbroken. They were mad at Jesus too. 
They were mad at Jesus. They were angry at Jesus. You don't think they were angry? Oh, it's quiet in here. This is, this is a Baptist church, but we're Pentecostal people. So it's okay. Nobody's going to tell if you act joyful and happy and peaceful. And if you're trying to be a witness without a smile, you're a bad witness for Jesus. You're a bad testimony on the job. You're a bad testimony in the grocery store. You're a bad testimony everywhere you go. Because if God can't give you any joy to celebrate the resurrection, you have an issue. And you need to deal with that. Because you're a living epistle and you're read by all men. And people, you know what they see? They see your countenance. And the eyes of him who is joyful rejoices the heart of others. Controversially, amen, when someone is walking around like we have no hope, talking about the blessed hope, but living as if we have no hope, then we have a problem. There's a contradiction of terms going on. When I go to the grocery store, I got bag boys that hunt me down to say hello to me. Because my hope shines. If you want me to sing this little light of mine with you, I will not sing it with you. I love you. I'll sing it in Sunday school. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man spiritually, I put away childish things. The light that I bear is not little. It's not infinitesimal. It's not some little bitty nothing thing. The light that I bear, praise God, is a brilliant light. It's a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. It's a light that the darkness can't put out. It's a light that shines, amen, wherever we go, if we have the testimony of Jesus. For we are God's luminaries. We are the light of the world. A city set on a hill which cannot be hid. I went to a sandwich shop, and uh, we were getting a sandwich at, what, what was the name of that place? It really doesn't matter. It's one of the, you know, big sub-sandwich shops. I buy them for my son, Matthew, in a special way. He loves them. Went in the sandwich shop, said, can I have a name for the order? Firehouse Sub, yeah. I said, Bob. And so she's typing in Bob. And, uh, of course, I'm smiling which is unusual because everybody's impatient and everybody's burdened and everybody's beleaguered and everybody's beaten down because the world can't satisfy those deepest longings of your soul. The only way they can get happy is between five and seven. And that's not enough to keep you happy. Amen? So I come in happy. And I found out being happy is a witness. And a testimony. Oh, Brother Rimble, if I didn't have any problems like you. Oh, honey, you do not understand. Don't get me started. We don't have time for me to tell you some of the things I go through personally. But there's nothing that transcends what Jesus... Listen, nothing that the devil or anyone could do to me transcends what Christ has done for me. And if I focus on what Jesus has done for me... I, listen, happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. And happy is the man who has the Lord 
God of Jacob for his help. Can you say amen? At your mother's funeral, I got to read her favorite psalm. They didn't have the mic on, but I read from Psalm 122. I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. It didn't say I will look unto the hills. Amen? Today we're trying to synthetically take care of what God wants to take care of. Amen? God wants to pull you out of that depression. God wants to heal you from that anxiety. God wants to help you when you go to pieces. I know because I go to pieces sometimes. But the Lord puts back together the pieces with His grace and mercy and His promise to never leave me and never forsake me. Hallelujah. He gives me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And my wife can verify I go through all of these things. And when I had nervous exhaustion because I didn't know how to give it to God, I remember going to the doctor because I was falling apart, having a nervous breakdown. And I said, this is not right. I'm a gospel preacher. I know the Word. I preach the Word. I tell others how to do it. And here I am going through it. What's up with that? You mean we're human and preach? We're human. We have limits. Our, our, our emotions have limits. I went to a doctor, and I was the last patient he saw that day and the last patient he was going to see in America because he was going to leave his practice, he and his wife, here in America and work through African inland missions as a medical missionary sharing the grace of God and the love of God and the gospel of Christ as they ministered what they knew how to do medically for people in an underprivileged area of South Africa. Wow, what devotion. He checked me over. He diagnosed me with nervous exhaustion. had been previously diagnosed. He had me sit on that table. You know, the cold table where you sit. And, and I'm sitting up on the table, and he came over and sat down beside me, put his arm around me, and he said, Pastor Venable, he said, I can write you a prescription right now that will help the symptoms of what you're going through. Or, and then his eyes lit up, or we can pray, and God can address it. And I was so emotionally racked, I was torn. The, but something clicked down on the inside of me. Now, this is my wall. This is my journey. You don't have to copy that or feel bad if you didn't do that. Amen? But I'm telling you, there is victory in Jesus. But there is no victory without a fight of faith. So, I told him, I said, Doc... Let's pray. I would love to tell you that after that prayer, I never had another symptom. But that became a two-year journey. A two-year journey. When you can't breathe at night, I have been in my garage before my son moved in with us. I have been in the garage on my hands and knees 
trying to breathe, having an anxiety attack. With the phone in my hand, 2 o'clock in the morning, not wanting to bother my family, ready to hit 911, have them come get me before I pass out. Longing for the dawn to come. Longing for the sun to come up. Longing for the day. I've been in valleys that are deep and dark. I went everywhere looking for a word and a touch. I got humbled. I didn't want to preach. I wanted to hear the word. (laughs) I didn't want to pray for people. I wanted to be prayed for. I went to a church that had a guest speaker down full of old folks. And now they're not as old as I thought they were then. (laughs) Amen. Now they were, hey, that's great. But to me then, they were just a bunch of old folks. I walked in with that bunch of old folks with a desperate need in my own life. Nobody knew me from Adam's house cat. And I said, you know, you did understand Adam did have a house cat. You know, when he created the world and people, he created cats to, to aggravate people. Anyway, not really. And he spoke. And he got through and he said, does anyone here need prayer? And I raised my hand. The moment I raised my hand, 50 gray-haired, white-haired, blue-haired people come and gathered around me. And they all wanted to touch me. And if they couldn't touch me, they touched the shoulder of someone that was touching me. And it wasn't the prayer of that speaker It was the love of that congregation. I felt like Jesus was hugging me. I felt like he was picking me up off of my feet and holding me to his bosom. And I'm going to tell you, if you're down in that deep, dark valley, you don't need somebody telling you, you know, well, just climb up on the mountain, climb out of that hole you're in, just use your faith. No, you need somebody to love you where you are. And to let you know that God is in the midst of that valley, keeping a promise, a personal promise. I will never, no, never leave you. And I will never, no, never, it's in the emphatic, forsake you. I will go with you all the way. He went with me through that valley. Amen. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why was all of that fear vanquished? Because thou art with me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I went, I went to PTL. In the winter, I pulled into a La Quinta Inn because I couldn't afford to stay on the grounds because they'd built those fancy hotels and they were either booked up or cost more than my budget would allow. So I pulled into a La Quinta Inn got in a room by myself, feeling sorry for myself. And it was 38 degrees and a cold rain and gray. Now, if you already got a problem, you start missing the sunshine state. Amen. At least you can click on the air conditioner and look out at the bright sun. And so here I am in that state. And I I sensed an aloneness. Where's God? I I felt Him when I preached because the anointing would come. But in my personal time, away from the pulpit, 
you don't live your life under that anointing. It's with you, it's within you, but it manifests when you preach. But I felt so alone. And I felt like, God, do you, do you understand my pain, what I'm going through, my hurt? And so I went to PTL. I went to the morning service from the La Quinta. I drove to PTL, went in. They were taping the television broadcast. There was a, a young black man singing a solo that morning. Boy, he could sing. And I, he, oh, he, he was, he was, you know, he was six foot one. He wore a beautiful suit. He had a wonderful voice. He had a smile, you know, that Colgate smile, that white teeth. And he was singing beautifully. And it was like he was looking right at me while he was singing. And I thought, boy, I'd trade places with him in a I wish I was up there singing the praises of God. Not, I didn't have to be 6'1", just feeling like he seems like he's feeling. Rainy day, like I told you. Rain's still coming down. It's still gray outside. I listened. I just put my heart, I said, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. <laughs> and I got my umbrella and headed to my car. And a young lady ran out. And he said, you remember the man that sang this morning? I said, yes, I do. He sung so beautifully. He said, well, he said to give you a message. And I thought, well, what could it possibly be? He said, when he sang this morning, he said, usually people come here like tourists. He said, usually they're looking at the cameras, they're looking at the lights, and they're waiting for Jim and Tammy baker to come out because they're the celebrities they came to see and it's hard to worship under those conditions but said he he's always had a problem being distracted by all of their distractions but he said when he saw you he said i just locked in on him because he was worshiping the lord with me and said i just didn't take my eyes off of him and i thought well that's good and bad it's good because I was a blessing. It's bad because I needed help. <laughs> and I thought he was on top of the world. And, and she said, and he especially appreciated and needed to worship himself this morning. Because three months ago, his beautiful wife, while cooking their dinner, had an aneurysm and went home to be with the Lord. And he's still dealing with the heartache and the heartbreak. And I thought, well, he's dealing with it through worshiping God. And, and, and then I went back to the evening service, and there was a man and his wife that had a healing ministry. And I thought, boy, now I'm on target. Now I'm where I need to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and, and she suddenly stopped right in the middle before they're ready to start praying for people. And she said, that man right there, and she pointed right at me, and I thought, here it comes. Here it comes, Jesus. It's been a long time coming, but it's coming now. Hallelujah. Stand up. You're a minister of the gospel, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, come on down here. And I thought, boy, they're going to lay hands on me. I'm done with this valley. I'm done with this pressure. I'm done with this anxiety. I'm done with all of these sick symptoms I have. 
I'm going to go back and jump in that pulpit and preach, and I'm not going to look back on this ever again. This is my point of contact. This is when it's all going to break. But you see what got me into nervous exhaustion hadn't been addressed yet. What brought me to that point, I hadn't learned. One way to get out of a valley is not to ask him why you're in it, but what do you want me to learn? Can anybody say amen? I know it hurts to say amen, but if you're going through the valley, you might as well make the best of it and be able to come out the other side with victory and not get defeated in that valley through discouragement. They called me down and said, Sir, would you help us? And I thought, what? Would you help us? And you know what they made me? The catcher. When they prayed for people, they fell out in the Spirit. And they needed somebody to keep them from balking their head on the floor. have laid down 50 people and I thought well I know what it is I'm humbled myself I've been nothing but a servant God is going to wait till I get through helping them pray for everybody else and then they're going to say and now it's your turn I laid that last person down someone came out and started singing and giving an invitation I looked up and they were gone And Dave is laughing because it wasn't him in that condition. But I'm telling you, I wasn't happy about the whole thing. Amen. I know you have. And you're going through more. I'm going through more. But I have learned something. Amen. I look back. I did an inventory of my life. A man that I knew from my childhood. He had a 47 Plymouth. And we used to take that 47 Plymouth to Thanodosassa. After dark, this was B.C. before I came to Jesus. And we used to get a bushel of oranges off the trees and take off home like we were, we were, you know, we were thugs. <laughs> Got a bushel of oranges after midnight. If you know the road to the Notasassa that's up a hill and down a hill, up a hill, and you don't have many hills in Florida. Well, we had so little gas in that 47 Plymouth that he would accelerate going up the hill, turn the key off and the lights out to go down the hill to save the gas until we needed to go up a hill again. I don't know if it worked or not, but we made it back. He had come to know Jesus as his Savior. He was driving by the church and saw my name as the pastor of the Holy Church of God. He came into my office, sit down, and he said, I don't know why I'm here, but I do know why I'm here. He said, God said to tell you something. Well, I'd heard so many God said that it wasn't God until red flags went up. And he said, God, but then he began to weep. Tears began to run down his eyes. He said, you are so enthusiastic for God that you are walking through every door that seems to be God. And you're wearing yourself thin. And you're wearing yourself out. And I don't know what you're supposed to do about it. But I just just pray about it. Well, I thought there's no need to pray. By thee, O Lord, I've run through a troop. 
and I've jumped over a wall under your anointing. The anointing will have you doing supernatural things, but it won't make you supernatural. Can you say amen? We have this treasure in what kind of a vessel? An earthen vessel. Why? That the excellency of the power might be of God and not ourselves. Paul included himself, this great apostle, with all the revelation. And 13 of the 27 books, roughly half, if you just divide it by the books of the New Testament. You know what he said? We are cast down. But not forsaken. Persecuted. But not destroyed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Hallelujah. We go through valleys. We go through trials. We go through puzzling times when we don't know what God is doing. But we're not forsaken. We're not destroyed. Persecuted literally means not just someone talking about you. It means chased as a deer. It means stalked in order to destroy He said, the devil wants to kill us. But we're not forsaken. God is with us. And God is for us. And what did the Bible say about God being for us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And at my weakest, God was still for me and God was still with me. But I didn't listen because I didn't feel the symptoms of what was about to happen to me. I was coming back from Haiti on a mission trip. By the way, I was doing jail ministry, mission work, hospital visits, radio ministry live on WSOL. I was running on coffee, caffeine in the morning. In the evening when the phone wasn't ringing after 11, we would order pizza from Domino's. They had deals where they give you double pizza. And you know we don't want to waste anything. So we'd all eat the one pizza as a family, and there's one left, and me and Alan would look at it and say, we don't want to waste that good pizza right there. Amen. And we'd start gnawing on it till it was gone. I became a full gospel preacher. Can you say amen? Full of cheese (laughs) and bread and pepperoni. I, I knew it was getting to me when I got up and said, hey, what's the matter? Anyway, anyway, I got sick. I got sick in my mind, sick in my body. And only the grace of God could come into that valley where I was and reach me and teach me. It's hard to teach a man under the anointing because the anointing gives you a sense. Remember Samson? What happened? When anybody threatened him. I mean, he got a swag. He got his swag on. Amen. He got a swagger when he walked. This started the evidence of the anointing that he would be a champion for Israel came on. He was a Nazarite and God anointed him to be a defender of Israel, a champion for Israel. (laughs) He had a vow not to cut his hair. It was what the source of his strength was the keeping of the vow, not the long hair, but the keeping of the vow. And as he got out in front of his parents, a lion saw a young man undefended and said, for these gifts we're about to receive make us truly thankful. He wanted to devour him. 
He's undefeated. Christian lions do that, but they still eat you. Amen. Because circle of life. He attacks him. Oh, some of you. Holy. I love you to pieces. But a little joy wouldn't hurt you. I hope it rubs off on you before you go home today. Some people are having a hard time in life. Join the crowd. You're in no valley that I haven't walked through. And I'm going to tell you, there is a lily in the valley. And there is peace in the valley. Because there's a person in the valley with you. If you're going through the fire, there's a person in the fire. Look around. Somebody's in there. The fire will not destroy you. We are persecuted, but we are not destroyed. Cast down. Oh, yes, but not forsaken. God doesn't back off when you have a bad day. Can you say, man, oh, you didn't hear me. God does not back off when you have a bad day. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad He doesn't back off? Hallelujah. But He wants to lift you up. He wants to show you what He can do in your life. When did God quit being God? When When did we become the hopeless, helpless people that we have become? When did that occur? You need to go back. Like I went back and try to figure that out. Because if we go back, God will show you where we departed from Him. Because He's never... like God's your source. It's real in Him. Because that's where faith comes from. Who did you listen to this week? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about where did you get the Word this week? Did you read it? Did you find somebody on the web that was teaching something that would help you? Did you did you take time to listen? Did you feed your soul anything but junk food all week? If faith comes by hearing, when did you hear? And if it comes by the Word of God, when were you exposed? It's not enough for me to hear it one day a week. I gotta have faith. The fiery darts of the wicked ain't going to wait for me to build my shield. They're going to come while I'm vulnerable, especially while I'm vulnerable. And you're never more vulnerable when you don't have a relationship with God and you don't have the Word of God in your life. I sought the Word. I read the Word. When I couldn't find God... I picked up, in terms of His presence, I picked up my Bible. I went over to the Holy Church of God when no one was there. I opened up the Psalms, and I began to read. And I found a man like me, a man in a valley, a man going through pressure and problems, and a man saying, where are you? And how long? An impatient man. How long, O Lord? How long? How long? And I didn't just find David in there. I found another man. You know what his name was? Asaph. There are Psalms written by Asaph. They're not all David's. And Asaph had some real issues. One of his issues was, I'm going through it. I'm a man of the covenant and I'm going through it. And there's people over here that are rich. And the rich are not in... He said it in Psalm 73. I read that to alignment. He was a Church of Christ Bible teacher. My crew at the time when I was bivocational was a Pentecostal preacher, a Baptist adult Bible teacher, and a Church of Christ adult Bible teacher. 
We had all the elements to argue every day. But instead we prayed for one another because there wasn't nobody there to tell us that we're not brothers. You can be a brother to somebody without agreeing with all of their, as long as it's not a cardinal truth. And he asked me that question. Why? He was going through something. Why? Here's a guy over here that on Sunday, I go to church and I, I read the Bible and I, I teach the Bible. And here's a guy over here that don't give God the time of day. He don't go to church. He don't read the Bible. He's hooking his boat to his, his big old pickup truck. You know, the big brand new one like I can't afford. He's going down to Tampa Bay. He's going to fish all day long. Oh, Oh, he's got an ice chest full of Budweiser. He's smoking a big black cigar. He's telling dirty jokes and cussing on the job. He's ogling every woman in sight. And here I am, church, going Bible teaching, and I'm going through a pressurized situation financially, physically, maritally. And we're driving back. I remember the sun was just coming up. And I was beginning to, you know how you nod when you've been up all night? I've been out on a call out. You find yourself nodding, and that's why Mike takes an energy drink with him. He doesn't advocate them. I want Disclaimer, don't do it. Don't do it. If you have a heart attack drinking that great big 16-ounce caffeinated sugarized thing, don't get Mike, can you say? And when you get to heaven, don't say, well, Mike did it. Mike, Mike, Mike did it. I didn't have an energy drink. I was nodding at the wheel coming back from Mulberry. The sun just coming up. Boy, if you hadn't had no sleep all night, something about just when the day breaks makes you sleepy. And I was sleepy. And the lineman beside of me, the Bible teacher, he began to ask me why. And I said, Psalm 73. Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. He said, the wicked are prospering. The righteous people are going through it. They are not in trouble like other men. In other words, because of their money, they can hire, they can hire O.J.'s lawyer. Can you say, man, they don't, it's not the same as when it's court appointed, when you can hire a high-octane lawyer. Oh, justice is not blind, dear. Come on. Come on. You see justice up there with a blindfold on? You, you, honey, that lawyer is going to make or break you when you stand before the judge. And if you can hire somebody that knows every loophole in the law, he can help you. I pity the poor person that has to be appointed a lawyer that wouldn't be doing what he was doing if he could make more money doing something else. And he's got a caseload this big and he's going to defend you and your life depends or your lifetime of freedom or not depends on whether he does his or she does her job. They're not in trouble like everybody else. These, these proud, boastful people are, are living the high life. And here we are in trouble. And he, he envied. He envied. He envied the rich of this world that didn't seem to have the trouble that he had. And if I had their riches and their material wealth, I wouldn't have the trouble that I have. And they're doing this without God. I envy them. And listen, Psalm 73, until I went into the temple. 
Then understood I not what's happening right now, but understood I their end. When you draw your last breath, something's going to occur. Can you say, man, he said, I don't care how high people live in this world and what they obtain. It'd be better to know the Lord, amen, and put your trust in Him. And he reestablished his faith and commitment to God. I told you, you and God can hook back up. Can you say amen? I said, you and God, God is ready to hook back up with you. He's ready to become your source. He's ready to heal you. He's ready to help you. He's ready to deliver you. He's ready to set you free. Amen. He has not changed. He will not change. We have changed. But we can, because we changed in the wrong direction, thank God with the Holy Spirit's help and the Word of God to direct us a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway, we can change in the right direction. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's not too late to recapture your faith and your commitment to trust God. And see Him move in your life again. Woo! He repented. He said, Lord, I must have been. He said, oh, listen how Psalm 73 starts. My feet were well nigh gone. I had almost slipped when I was envious at the prosperity of the wicked. Until I went into the temple. You know where you are today? You're not in the temple, but you're in God's house. Exposed to God's Word. Pondering God's kingdom. Can you say, man, it's to help you not to envy anybody in this world, no matter what they have. Hallelujah. I'd rather be me in the kingdom than to be a king of this world system. Can you say, man, with the gold and the silver? Because that man's going to age. That man's going to die. And that man is going to go somewhere. So is this man. I'm going to age too. But I'm not going to die. Well, Brother Pimble, don't you believe they'll have your funeral someday if Jesus tarries? Absolutely. But I, the man inside the man, is not going to die. This old body may drop to the ground and we fly away. That's according to the Word of God. That old great hymn, Some Glad Morning When This Life Is O'er, I'll fly away to a land on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. Oh, glory, I'll fly away. Amen. The Old Testament said the dust goes back to the dust, but we fly away. And they based it on the Word of God and the certainty of the resurrection. Can you say, man, i got a daughter in heaven. I won't have to have an angel show me the ropes and show me around the place when I get there. i got a daughter that's been there since she was well, how many days old? Five days old when she went home. She was a preemie. She lived five days. She had long black hair and brown eyes. Reckon where she got them from. Amen. And she was cute as a button. Perfectly formed. But something in her digestive system was not perfectly formed. And she was doing fine. I rode with her in an ambulance. I wasn't a Christian at the time. I rode with her in an ambulance. And I looked in that little incubator that they had sitting between us in the front seat. And I looked at this. She looked like one of those little dolls in one of those glass things that they pose. She was perfect. And we were so happy. We had a boy. Now we had a girl. 
And, you know, we were just, just beginning our family life. On the fifth day, she passed away. And we got a taste of what it means to live in faulty bodies in a fallen world. And, oh, when we came to Jesus, what a balm that was to our hearts and lives. Amen. What a balm it is right now when my oldest son passed away and went to be with the Lord October the 1st of 2017. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't bear it without Jesus and the hope that the resurrection gives us today. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What a wonderful God that we serve. And I'm so glad that He gave grace sufficient to me to not only get healed of what I was going through, but to learn something. And I have to remind myself when I feel the unction and the anointing, I have to pull back the reins. Amen. Wherever we go forward, I will require a lot of help. So if you're expecting more from me, this is the best I can do, is do my best to get you and God hooked up. Because if I can't hook you up with God, I can't do anything for you. I can pray for you, intercede for you, but my intercession is that you will know the one that can give you the peace that you need. That you'll have a relationship with the one that can give you the joy that you need. That you will have trust and faith in the one that can lift you up out of that deep, dark valley. And God didn't do it immediately through anyone's ministry or intercession. He took me through the valley. He took me through the fire. Everybody say, through the fire. You know, when you're in the fire, you know what you want? Out of the fire. Give you a scripture as we get ready to close. You say, what's this got to do with the resurrection? Just everything. Because not only is it a cardinal fact in scripture, it really happened. It's a historical fact in time. The lawyer in the White House, high ranking senator that was also a lawyer, he said, People have been convicted and given the death sentence with less testimony than we have in the Scripture of people who saw Jesus after the resurrection. Isn't that incredible? And it's a personal fact in experience. The Holy Spirit is none other than the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, it's, it's not just so you can say, come tie my bow tie ten times and join the club of spiritual people. It's not just so you can speak in tongues. It's so you can tap into power beyond yourself, the supernatural. This is supernatural peace. It takes supernatural power and a supernatural person to give you supernatural peace. My peace I give unto you. It's not natural. Peace in the dictionaries, no problems. A great calm. Storm ceases. No pressure. No war. No conflict. Not this world. In this world you shall have tribulation. 
But he said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. I'm not going to make the road smooth. I'm going to give you heavy-duty shocks. Here's what he took me through. And here's, here's how he made the way of escape. How did you get out of that pickle you were in? That crisis of faith and that crisis of mental and physical problems and spiritual. It'll affect you spiritually. You'll question God. I did. Listen. Think it not strange. You're not unique. If you're under pressure, join the club. Amen. Join the club. It's a battlefield, brother. We used to sing it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight, not a game. So run if you want to, run if you will, but I came here to stay. Can you say, man, at some point you put on your armor so you can quit running and stand. Having done all, stand. Hallelujah. Think it not strange, the fiery trial that has come to try you, as some strange thing has happened unto you. But be faithful. No, because in the midst of that, your faithfulness isn't the supreme issue. In fact, your faithfulness to Him is based on His faithfulness of you when you're in the fire. It's your faith in His faithfulness, not your faith to just lift yourself up and put yourself forward. It's your faith in His devotion, His faithfulness to you, the sufficiency of the grace He grants. And you'll never discover it until you've, you've come to an end of yourself. Think it not strange, the fiery trial that has come to try you, as some strange thing has happened unto you. I want you to say this with me, but God is faithful. Say that with me again, but God is faithful. I want you to say that one more time. It's an anchor Sure and steadfast for your soul when everything around you is shaken, including your own faith. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are able. I want you to say enabled. Because if you ask me how much I can bear, nada. Nada. I didn't finish what I said a few weeks ago. I'm going to finish it because we've got some Latin people here that understand Spanish. I was in a Christian bookstore. I looked in my wallet. I was going to buy something. Nada. Standing beside me. She saw me open my wallet and I said, I'm going to have to use plastic. She looked in. She said, Nada. <laughs> And I decided, well, nada must mean nothing. <laughs> so so I, I, looked, I looked back at her and I opened it up. She opened her purse up. She was using plastic too. And I, said, I looked in her purse and I looked in my wallet. I said, nada. She said, they're right, nada. I said, yeah, not a thing. Not a thing. It's got to mean not a thing. How'd you do that? Because I'm a Christian. I have a hope. Hallelujah. I know what happened when Jesus got up and got out of the ground. Amen. My hope conquers death. 
My hope takes me through trials. It's a personal fact in my own experience because Jesus lives. He can come to me. He can walk with me. He can reach way down where I am and help me in the time of trouble. I don't serve a historical Jesus that lived 2,000 years ago and dead and buried. I serve a Jesus who came out of the tomb to keep a promise. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, but I'll go with you. And it turned cowards into courageous Christians that ceded the gospel to the nations of the world. You know what? They didn't just see Jesus in that upper room. They heard Him say, Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature and lo, which in the south would be look at him. Amen. I am with you always. Death didn't conquer me and it can't conquer you. The devil didn't conquer me and he can't conquer you. Can you say amen? And wherever you go, know this. You're not on your own and you're not going alone. Wherever you are, I am. I am with you all the way even to the end of the age. And it gave them the courage they needed to face the persecutions they were facing. Let me finish this quickly. Oh, Lord, thank you for your grace, your mercy and your victory this morning. Hallelujah. Think it not strange, the fiery trial which has come to try you, as some strange thing has happened unto you, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are enabled by His grace, by His Holy Spirit to bear. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Can you say amen? But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able to bear. Who will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. So God has the option of taking you from, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, or taking you through. Lord, have mercy. Amen. But if He chooses to take you through, if He chooses to take you through, you're going to get through. And you're going to come out the other side better, not bitter. Victorious and not a victim of that circumstance. And the test is going to give you something that's going to help others. It's called a testimony. Can you say amen? I have a testimony. I don't just preach this. I'm living it through my life. Amen. And right now, I wouldn't want to go through what I went through for anything in the world. But I saw things in the Scripture differently than before I went through it. If you'd come to my office with a problem, I would have given you Scripture, expected you to take it, apply it, go out shouting. But if you come now with a problem, I would pray with compassion for you and try to point you to something that would encourage you and God to get hooked up again, that He's standing with arms wide open, ready to receive you and help you wherever you are. And you will learn something about His goodness, His grace, His mercy, and His power to you and to me. Have you got anything out of this at all today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you glad for the great reunion that's about to occur when Jesus comes? 
I don't believe it's going to be very long till Jesus comes. And I'm looking forward to my daughter greeting me at the one of those 12 gates, the eastern gate. Hallelujah. I will meet you in the morning. Oh, and now I'm looking forward to my son and his sister meeting me at the eastern gate. Oh, and since they're there now and everybody's hooking up from this venerable clan, I'm looking forward for my daddy and my mama to meet me at the eastern gate. And since the clan is really hooking up in heaven, everybody say roots. My roots are all growing upward. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. I'm looking forward to my grandpa. I'm looking forward to my grandmother meeting me at the gate of heaven. I'm looking forward to my uncle and my aunt meeting me at that gate in heaven. Praise God. And I'm looking forward to the people that I've ministered to on the radio that have already went to heaven meeting me when I get there. I'm looking forward to a stranger running down Glory Avenue and say, I heard your, I heard the gospel on the website and I was one of those when you gave the invitation that came to Christ and I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I'm looking forward to having a big old family reunion when we get to heaven. And I can tell you by personal experience, God will take you through the fire. I will not tell you in honesty or biblically that He will keep you from it every single time. That's not the Bible. But the, there is a fourth man in the fire. How many know His name? Say His name just one more time. Jesus. How many have gone or are going or have gone through some fiery trials? Some real test of your faith. Amen. Let's stand to our feet today and celebrate the certainty of the resurrection, the soon coming of Jesus, and the personal experience of His help here and now. Thank You, Heavenly Father. Thank You for Jesus. Thank You for Your goodness. And we thank You and we praise You for it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you get a hold of this and decide to apply it to your life, your life is going to take a radical change. I'm going to ask a question before we leave here today. Go ahead and bring that. Go ahead and bring that. I hear the cry of your heart. Before you even pray, my ear is turned to thee. I hear, I listen, and I hear the cry of your heart, saith the Lord. When you can't even find words to tell me how you hurt, where you hurt, I know, for I hear the cry of your heart before you can even try to articulate in prayer your need. I'm that ready to help you. Just pray anyway. Just cry out unto me. And I, who hear the cry of your heart, will honor your faith and help you. You are not forsaken, saith the Lord.
Somebody give Him praise in this room. He loves you today. He loves you today. Oh, how He loves you and me today. I'm going to ask another question. Is there anyone in our audience who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'm not really interested in church affiliation, whether or not you were baptized or christened, and none of that stuff. I want to know if if you died today, do you have this certainty in your life that death would not claim you and conquer you, that hell would not hold your soul in a prison forever, that heaven would be your home and eternal life would be your, your blessing and legacy? Is there anyone in here say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Savior, but I want to know Him. This resurrection Easter season, I want to know Christ the one that rose from the dead that can save my soul. I want to know him. Can I see your hand? Anyone in this room? Anyone? I'm going to ask a second question. Is there anyone here today that say, Pastor, I've been exposed to the gospel. I've accepted Jesus, but this resurrection power, this, this understanding that I can know him because he's alive, and He's with us. I want to know Him. I want to know Him enough that I can cast my burden on Him. Can I see your hand? I want to know Him that personally. I want to know Him that intimately. Anyone in this room? Yes. Yes, God sees. Yes, God sees. Yes, God sees. God sees that. I want to know Him like that. Let me just help to convince you of your need. If you're still carrying the burden, you need to know Him better. Because if you knew Him well enough, you would give it to Him and trust Him with it. Is that okay? That's not a condemnation. It's just an observation, biblically speaking. If you knew Him well enough to trust Him with it, you're not under that burden. You can cast your burden on the Lord this morning. He will do what when you do that? Sustain you. Because He will never suffer, permit, or allow the righteous to be moved. And you can still have beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And you can still live a life of testimony that convinces others that you are the planting of the Lord, a tree of righteousness. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Hallelujah. Like a tree planted by the water. Brother Taylor, would you come and we will make the invitation, not the invitation, an announcement today at the end of the invitation. Hallelujah. He is good all the time. My brother Taylor makes me, uh, when I get up uh, feeling kind of uh, slow and fatigued, and he keeps pushing on at 80, and, and he's nine years my senior. Amen. I say, I got a, I got a, I got a few more years left. To preach and pray and, and do what the Lord wants me to do. He's an inspiration to me. How about you? Hallelujah. We love you. Amen. We, we, uh, we found a place, a place to live, you know, to move. Uh, we've got to be out of our house on Thursday. Movers are coming Thursday. Uh, this Thursday. So we got, we still got some stuff to say. Anybody want to come by and uh, look? Come with you. Uh, Amen. Uh, thank
thank God for opening the door for a place for us to stay. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Amen, amen. But God worked it out for us. Amen, he worked it out. So continue to pray that God would just let the move go good and smooth and everything work out. You know, God is faithful. And, you know, the enemy has been fighting, but he's a liar. we got the devil under our feet. We thank God for the victory. Amen. So let's, let's continue to pray one for another and continue to love one another. Amen. By this, all men know that you're my disciple if he has love one for God. Amen. God bless you. And thank, thanks for everything. Amen. God bless you. You're welcome, my dear brother. Amen. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Stretch your hand this way. This, if you've got a sinus problem with all the pollen that's in the air because the rain didn't come to wash it out where we live. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we know what it is to have the pressure, to have the headache, to have the drainage. We know all of that junk that goes with the sinus problems. But we still know that you can give us grace, mercy, and literal physical healing today. And we pray for healing to flow to our brother. He's a hard-working man, but he needs his health to continue to work hard. So we ask for health to spring forth, that the sinuses would dry up, the swelling would go down, the infection would die, hallelujah, and, and desist to hurt him and harm him, and that he might be raised up well, ready to, to get up Monday morning and not say, good Lord morning, but rather say good morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Will you? How many will do this? You might not even know. You probably don't know this. Is some, everybody here knows it's in the Bible. I'm glad this is in the Bible. Nehemiah chapter 8. Ezra the high priest. After they repented, got right with God, they were still convicted and they were feeling so bad about not being right with God. He told them, said, quit that now. <laughs> That's all God wanted you to repent and get right. He said, go eat the fat. Drink the sweet. For the joy of the Lord is your strength.